0: Hello and a welcome to another edition of MTG Rants. I am Ross Miriam and joining me today is a special guest NRG superstar, Zach Allen. How are you doing, Zach?
1: Good, man. Thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, thanks for being here. Uh, unfortunately, Tannen has come down with a case of COVID, so he is currently in recovery. Uh, so we were fortunate to get Zach here to step in on relatively short notice, (laughs) about uh, uh, 14 hours or so, maybe, 16
1: hours. Look, man, you got to be prepared at all times. I was ready to hop in. Let's do this.
0: Yeah, Uh, so Zach here, uh, fresh off what uh, appears to be a great weekend on the NRG series, top-hitting both events.
1: Yeah, yeah. um, Energy does, uh, like, two tournaments a weekend, which is kind of a... Departure from how SCG ran tournaments. But well,
0: it's how SCG used to run them way back in the day.
1: Sure. So maybe like.
0: For, old from 2011 SCG through 2014.
1: Sure. Um, but yeah, so there's two tournaments. And um, if you did well in the first one, you got buys in the second one. So, you know, it is two top face, but we can go with like one and a half.
0: That, w- that was also true in the one day open era. Um, you, you you didn't, you wouldn't really usually get that many. Um, I assume the, uh, I didn't watch last weekend, but I assume they do the top eight or top four of the morning of, or the, of the Saturday event, the, they'll do that Sunday morning.
1: Yep. So the, the quarterfinals of the Saturday modern event plays out the night before. So on Saturday I played 10 rounds of modern, which was a very long day, (laughs) And then on Sunday, I had to play the semifinals and the finals. And then I got one bye for each. Like, if I had lost in the semifinals, I would have you know, mm-hmm. only had one bye in the Pioneer event. But I, I lost in the finals. So um, okay. luckily, I got two byes and then played some Pioneer after that.
0: So the, th- that's generally how SCG worked as well. Though the buys just depended upon what time you finished. So we would start the, the semifinals of the Saturday event. Or very early Sunday morning, well before the Sunday event started. But if the matches went long and leaked into the next tournament, you might uh, get a buy or two. Usually, uh, all of the people in the finals would need one or so, yeah. but guaranteeing everyone in the semifinals a buy and then two buys in the finals is kind of gross.
1: Well, they don't they don't actually guarantee everyone in the semifinals a buy. So the, the semifinals starts at 9 a.m., and then the Pioneer tournament started at 10 a.m., so there's like an hour for semifinals. Okay. As it just so happened, I was playing... The semifinals was three four-color decks, so <laughs> everyone, everyone was guaranteed to buy, basically.
0: Okay, so yeah. it had to do ma- mainly with the decks, so... Yeah. And as I'm looking at the... Uh, uh, we'll, we'll briefly cover a little bit of Modern here, but we're going to focus more so on Pioneer since that format had the recent shakeup, but... Yeah, I see three four-color decks in this top four, and if I look at the numbers on melee, four-color has a win percentage that is absurd.
1: Yeah, so, (laughs) um, you know how, like, Watsu will give you data on formats and say, like, this deck has this win rate, or this deck has this win rate, or whatever, and then you talk to pro players, and they're like... Yeah, this deck's, like, way better than that win rate suggests. Like, when they would tell you Twin was, like, 50% against the field, and you're like, "I when I play Twin, I beat everything. I don't know what, <laughs> what they're talking about.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know what everyone else is doing. But.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, that's how I feel with 4Color. Like, I, I actually posted on Twitter earlier in the week. it was like, hey, um, can anybody give me any decks that are fun to play and, like, good? And I had 15 people give me legitimate suggestions, and I actually... I I haven't played much moto recently, but I got on that week and I played like 10 different leagues with like random decks people suggested me to try, and just none of them were even close to 4-Color. It just, you know, it's just, I don't know, it's not close. And a lot of it stems from uh, having a Companion. Like, it's no secret the Companion mechanic is completely broken. It's a pretty dumb mechanic. Um, It's already gotten multiple bands across multiple formats uh, post errata, like it was errata to be significantly worse than it was originally printed at and still has bands um, and as it just so happens the four color deck is the best Yorion deck which is the best remaining companion so pretty obvious choice to play that deck you know
0: yeah I, th- I think since the Lurus ban, really four color has completely taken over the format for that reason um, and it to me, it seems like what what happened is the f- the format slowed down pretty significantly, because the the Luris decks really relied on Luris as their mid game and end game, um, and to give them resilience against uh, you know more interactive decks, and that allowed them to be a little bit more all, all in. It, it allowed Shadow to be more threat dense uh, and more aggressive, and it allowed you know Hammer decks to do the same. Uh, and now that they have to com- try to compete with these heavy interactive strategies without the you know that Luris that they can have access to every single game, mm-hmm. they really do have a, have a hard time. Um, and uh, so as the format has, has slowed down and they've been forced to incorporate other cards to compensate for the lack of Luris, now the four-color deck that I thought was previously very clunky is at a speed that is in l- line with the format. And so it's raw power often just takes over games.
1: Yeah, and the other problem with the four-color deck is there's no way to outgrind it as another deck. Like, I, you know, maybe not everyone here is familiar with my past, but I love playing control decks. I've played a lot of control decks. And I've tried to beat this four-color deck with 20 different control decks. Like, every, every angle I can think of to attack it with a control deck, I've tried. And none of them work, because I don't have a companion that's as good as theirs. And the games all play out in a similar fashion, where... You know, we're trading resources, game's going on, I'm casting spells, they're casting spells, we get low on resources, they put Yorion in their hand, blink, eight things, draw eight cards, (laughs) and now I have no hope of ever winning. And it's not even like they're going to deck from this either, because they have 80 cards in their deck, right? Like, sometimes if you draw too many cards in a control mirror, you'll deck, but that's not even an issue for them either. (laughs) Um, The whole
0: advantage from the companion.
1: And, And you're right, the... The other decks that could go underneath it, like Hammer Time was an incredible deck. It was one of the, the best decks in Modern, um, and it was so hard to... You couldn't get underneath it. It was like one of the fastest decks, but it was also hard to outgrind because of Lurus. Um, and, you know, without Lurus, it's just become quite easy to outgrind, actually, which is kind of frustrating. Um, and it has, it still has speed to it. Like, it has these quick, explosive, powerful starts. But the four-color deck just clowns on them honestly i mean when you add solitude and fury to a deck like zero mana ways to destroy their entire board just make a joke of it and now hammer time used to be able to beat that by out grinding them but it can't anymore and so you're left with this four color deck that has no decks that can get underneath it and no decks that can go over the top of it and the only thing people can really do is try to like cheese it with like belcher decks essentially
0: yeah whether it's like Tron, or even you know Yawgmoth, which isn't really a cheeser deck, but, you know, can just kind of win the game out of nowhere.
1: Yep. Um, but, unfortunately, like, there's this other awkward angle going on in the metagame where Living End is, like, one of the few decks that can kind of beat Four Color, but it crushes all the decks that would, like, try to cheese Four Color. So, like, I, four colors in this spot where like if you build the deck to beat living in you already beat everything else and then all the living in players in the room beat all your bad matchups for you
0: <laughs> so thanks buddy yeah <laughs> yeah I'm not uh not a big fan of where modern is right now um I don't think it's any surprise that I'm like the four color blink deck is not something that is you know um not a deck that I really enjoy playing though sure uh I think it's pretty clear that the way the format has gone post Lurias ban, that it is f- far and away ahead of everything else.
1: Yep. Well, hopefully we see some changes. Whether it be, I mean, one like we could just start the Yorion ban in modern. Like, can we just get rid of the companion requirement? I don't think anybody, <laughs> anybody will miss it. No one was like, this made the game better. Like, maybe we start there. I don't know.
0: Yeah, um, I'd be fine starting there. The other card that could potentially. Get the axe for me is is Ren and Six, that card is busted.
1: Ren and Six is very good and also just miserable for tournament play. I actually like posted that during the weekend that I was just so sick of shuffling my eighty card deck. I just <laughs> hated it. It's just every turn, just Ren and Six pick up fetch, shuffle eighty card deck. Ren and Six pick up fetch, shuffle eighty card deck. Like, please get me out of this. <laughs> Save me from myself. Will someone please beat me? Knock me out. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, I as someone who only recently started playing with Ren and Six and Modern, Jesus Christ.
1: Yeah, I mean, two-mana Planeswalkers, they knew that, like, you knew you were towing the line with three-mana Planeswalkers? Like, WotC knew that. They, like, had printed originally some very powerful three-mana Planeswalkers and it really dialed it back on those ones. And the first Modern Horizon was like, yeah, you know what? What if we print a two-mana walker that's better than all the three-mana walkers? Let's try that. Oh, all right how did that work?
0: I mean, uh, yeah, so every time you have that card and in a, exactly a two-land hand, it feels like your hand is 12 cards. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. There are the awkward games where you draw like too many lands with it and, and you you know, the rent doesn't really do a whole lot, but the the games where it's good, it just completely dominates the game. And and it costs two.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, honestly like the the four-color deck does not like mulliganing at all, but you have to mulligan a decent amount because it's a Yorion deck, like with 80 cards you just have more inconsistencies. So yeah. you get some goofy looking hands and stuff. Um, and my number one thing to look for on a mulligan, like in some decks you like, you know, aggro deck, do I have like a proactive plan? Like can I string something together on these five cards, or these six cards, or Tron, like I'm looking for lands, whatever. Uh, when I'm mulliganing with four colors, like is red and six in my hand? Like that's yeah. the that's the mulligan. Yeah, ran six plus catch land. It's yep. basically splintered Twin. Yep. <sighs> All right. Anyway, enough ranting about modern.
0: <laughs> yeah. Now we can uh, rant about pioneer, the much more interesting format. Sure. Uh, so, uh, um, so you lost the finals in modern, uh, and now you're getting ready to go for pioneer, and. Brought a much spicier deck for Pioneer. Uh, and I'm, I'm assuming that you and Raja work together since your lists are so similar.
1: Yep, yep. Um, yeah, me and Raja, I mean, we've worked together for, I don't know, six, seven years at this point. He's one of my best friends. Yeah. Uh, we play a bunch of team tournaments. and he's I got so
0: very good at magic.
1: He is very good at magic. He
0: dumpstered me the one time we played.
1: It's fair. Put no, me
0: in the dumpster.
1: He is one of the most naturally skilled players I've ever met in Magic. Like I, people think I'm naturally skilled. I would say I'm kind of skilled, but most of my successes come from hard work and like practice. Raja just, you know, he can just play. I mean, that, that dude's just got it. You know, he naturally <laughs> yeah. has it. Yeah. Um. But, uh. Oh, speaking of the run and six thing. The side note, because we just mentioned Raja being my best friend, I just want to throw out the story. I did play against him on camera in Modern. And I tried to convince him to play the four-color deck. He wanted to play blue-white, because he liked blue-white. The blue-white was a deck we had worked on months ago. I told him, you can't beat blue-white, because it doesn't beat turn two, Ren and six. Um, He's like, whatever, I'm still going to play it. So he did. We played against him on camera. I keep a one-lander with a Ren and six on seven against him. (laughs) Because I'm on the play. I'm on the play with a one-lander. I've got an abundant growth for one redraw, so I need to draw that second land. But it's like a fetch land, Ren and six-hand. And then on camera play the abundant growth. Don't draw land. Draw draw for turn 2, rip land, play red right and six on turn 2, ult it five turns later and uh, get him. <laughs> okay, right. he was pretty he was pretty mad about that.
0: Yeah, so because you of course told him that oh, you had told have turned, yeah, the yeah. land the yeah. one lander, Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. You don't you don't keep, you don't keep that a secret.
1: No, no, no. <laughs> um but yeah, so we worked together on this Esper control list. We'd been it was actually mostly him. Um, He had been brewing it, sending me ideas, and we originally had built it to beat Winota. Uh, Like, that was kind of the plan, was we were, like, trying to figure out a deck that, like, like a reactive deck in Pioneer that could be successful against Winota, because in our experience, nothing reactive was successful against Winota. Generally, you needed to be, like, prowess style, where you're, like, proactive and killing their stuff to beat Winota. You couldn't really, like, just be fully reactive,
0: yeah, the deck at a certain point got too resilient with Azeka's Chariot and and the uh, Tovar's Huntmaster or whatever.
1: Yeah, the the Chariot was the really big problem. Chariot was such a hard card to beat. Like X could stop Winota and stop the combo stuff from happening, but you had to focus so hard on that you just always lost to the Chariot.
0: Yeah, that sounds about right.
1: Um. So so, yeah, we
0: were- so you have this list built pre Winota iteration ban. Yep. And when the ban happens, w- were you still on this Esper deck, or did you look at other things first?
1: Well, so I had actually given up. We were trying it, and we realized that this Esper deck just did not beat Winota. Like, we tried super hard. It was, like, as good as we possibly could have made it. We were doing some pretty ridiculous things, like main deck Ether Gust or main deck Noxious Grasp, just, like, trying anything to be better against Winota. And then just, like, kind of accepted we've gotten to this point where it was like, you know, this is just not going to work. The metagame feels like it's basically Winota versus Prowess. Um, I'm going to play a Prowess deck, I think, something like that. uh, Because I just don't enjoy playing Winota very much. Um, And then the ban happens, and all of a sudden it's like, well, what are people going to play in a world with no Winota and no uh, Prowess decks? And it's like, well, they'll probably play the decks that were good before, which was like Phoenix, Mono Green. Planeswalker stuff, and then a bunch of like red-black decks and a bunch of aggro decks. And as it turned out, the Esper deck was like very good against all of those decks. So, we just looked at each other and was like, yeah, ship it, we're playing Esper. <laughs> yep. It doesn't
0: take much convincing to get you to play an Esper control deck, Zach. Uh,
1: that, is, that is true. Yeah, he, <laughs> I tweeted that he, he put a void right in front of me and then really had to twist my arm to get you to play it, but... <laughs> Secretly, it was like, ah, uh, yep, no, we're playing yeah. this, let's go.
0: I call Void Rend Shaheen Sarani, by the way.
1: Okay. Yeah, I it's not Void
0: it. Rend your card, it's Shaheen your card.
1: That makes sense. <laughs> that makes sense. I can buy that.
0: Yeah, it's the most Shaheen card of all time.
1: Well, it's not sorcery. <laughs> we can't. <laughs> I think you could get more Shaheen if you made it a sorcery instead of an instant and added four mana to it. But. <laughs> yeah,
0: but had it, like, draw two cards and gain yeah. three life. and
1: <laughs>
0: uh. <laughs> we, can, we can get there. So sure. uh, so take me through the, the list itself. Um, I assume it changed some amount, you know, from the time that you... Uh, you locked it in to the time you actually started the tournament, especially with the, the significant metagame changes. Uh, so you got to, you know, cut those main deck cards for Winota and actually play real cards.
1: Yeah, so before we were, like, loaded up on one and two mana interaction, just because Winota was very fast. Like, it's a mana dork deck um, that, you know, casts a bunch of spells, and if you mi- like, if you fall behind on any of them, you're dead. Like, Voice of Resurgence is going to be a huge problem for a control deck. Winota, just even being in play is a huge problem for a control deck. And then Chariot getting, like, one attack step or even resolving was, like, a huge problem. So we were just, like, trying to be as cheap as possible just to keep up tempo-wise. Um, but then that went away, and we kind of decided there were going to be a bunch of aggro decks, kind of like Boros Heroic, Mono Blue Spirits, uh, Mono Red, just... Burn, Prowess, whatever you want to call that mono red deck that is in Pioneer right now. Um, and those decks we're going to struggle against Esper's cheap removal. Because Esper, the one thing Esper has going for it over Blue White is it has a ton of cheap removal that is really good. Um, but we also figured, you know, we're going to play against Blue White, we're going to play against Lotus Field to some extent, we're going to play against, um, you know, mono green. And against those decks, you actually want the cancels. Um, and one, one like kind of notable thing about Pioneer for reactive mages is there's no good 2-mana counter spells at all. They all are just awful. They're so bad. <laughs> um, so you kind of need to decide, like, if you want to play counter magic, you kind of need to decide, like, am I playing cancels? Because the cancels are the good counter magic in the format um, against decks where counter magic is good, but they are real bad against any of the aggressive decks, essentially. Um, so we thought when Winota was in play, like, you just couldn't play the cancels at all. They needed to just not be in the list. You needed to get them out. Um, once the banning happened, it was like, oh, now all of a sudden the cancels are looking better, and, um, we really like the pairing of Absorb and Thoughtseize. Like, Thoughtseize, you know, is great against all those decks where you wanted the cancels, and it's like a cheaper way to have an effect like that, but it's pretty bad against the aggressive decks, um, because of the life loss, and then Absorb... Just kind of giving you that life back, um, paired with some of the other life gain we had in the deck, like uh, Oath of Kaia, just made it so that you could play Thoughtseize sort of for free in the deck, and um, that that pairing really solidified like what we were trying to do. I guess I'd say. Oh Interesting. The other, the other, sorry, the other deck you really wanted cancels against was Blue White because Blue White control was actually an established deck. It was a deck that was doing well on Magic Online, and it was a deck we expected to play a lot. So. That was a big reason for us to include the cancels and the thought seasons. Was that we figured we were going to play some blue white and control mirrors. And did
0: you play against control? It does not look like it.
1: I did not. I did not end up playing a mirror. The way my pairings worked out was I played against mostly aggressive decks.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm looking at it on melee, and it definitely looks like a lot of aggro for you.
1: Yep. But. you know, I, I still built my deck in a way where I, like, you know, I had to be prepared for the mirror. And I think we were going to be very favored against Blue-White in, like, the one game I had played online. It was just like, yeah, sometimes they, you know, get ahead of you, counter your thing, whatever. But for the most part, like, you know it's in their hands because of Thoughtseize. They don't know what you have going on. You can kill their Planeswalkers once they resolve. They can't really kill yours. And then you have the same cards outside of that. Um, yeah. Thoughtseize
0: so, really seems like the mirror breaker to me. Yep. Uh, you know. The the information advantage and just, you know, stripping them of a key counter spell and knowing, you know, and and really just knowing when you can go for it and when you shouldn't.
1: (laughs) Yep. I mean, that's exactly accurate. Um, The other, like, big notable thing about this Esper deck that really caught a lot of people off guard, especially some of my, like, um, uh, specifically, like, a human's opponent. I played, like, an aggressive human's deck. I think at six zero. I think that was the win- my winning in. Um, the collected
0: company, you know, million colors human duck.
1: Yeah, although it looked like it was mostly mono-white, but they had, like, a couple white ex-humans that they were casting off Coco and secluded Courtyard and unclaimed territory. Um, but... Uh, I really surprised him in the game because the deck, you know, looks like an aggressive, like, you know, I'm going to kill all your stuff-style deck, but the Wandering Emperor really changes that paradigm. It's an aggressive card. It can be reactive, but Wandering Emperor, like, you know, at its heart wants to be an aggressive card. Um, And I've got some Graveyard Trespassers in my sideboard that I would bring in basically every single matchup over any dead cards in my main deck. And when you just go Graveyard Trespasser into Wandering Emperor, like, you know, you play your trespasser, eat a thing out of their graveyard. It's a, you know, it gains a life. You got a 3-3 blocker that has ward, so it's kinda of hard to kill. And then on your next turn, you pass, it flips, and then you cast Wandering Emperor on their turn, and all of a sudden, like, you just have this huge board. Like, you have a 3 mana 4-4 four, four with ward that can be a 5-5 five, five first strike if that's something you need. Um, or you can make two 2-2s two, and start attacking with it, and it just is really hard for a lot of decks to overcome that, and that was how I ended up beating this Humans player, was just, like, you know, he thought he was the aggro deck, all of a sudden Wandering Emperor plus Graveyard Trespasser uh, are way ahead on board, and fell behind and couldn't catch up.
0: Yeah, that's actually really cool that you just bring in Trespasser basically against everything. (laughs) And that kind of plan would not be really available to you if not for the Wandering Emperor, If, if it was just Trespasser trying to stand on its own
1: yeah i mean wandering emperor is a messed up card um i think it's one of the best cards in pioneer now easily probably probably the best planeswalker unless i'm missing one maybe karn's better but i would still argue wandering emperor
0: yeah karn teferi chandra
1: yeah I, i think wandering emperor is better than all of them i mean selfishly i'd argue teferi but i think wandering emperor is the best one So it's a really strong card.
0: Yeah, in particular, like you said, giving these control decks a a sort of different angle almost entirely by itself because it's not an entirely aggressive card, it just can be. Um, And it really changes the dynamic of those control decks. It doesn't allow you as the opponent against them to sit back and measure out your threats in this controlled way Um, because if you give the control player a turn with with the Wandering Emperor, suddenly you're in a spot where you're falling behind every turn. You do something like that and slow play your hand, and now you're forced to just play out your stuff, and that plays right into the control player's hands. So uh, it it really does change the dynamics a lot and sort of force your opponents to play the way you want them to play.
1: Oh, definitely. And it also just... You know, after the iteration ban, I think the best card advantage spell in Pioneer now is Memory Deluge, and it just so happens they're, like, the same CMC, both, you know, instant speeds, so they just play super, super well together, and it creates this really tough paradigm of, like, well, do I make an attack into the Wandering Emperor that's going to be, like, really bad for me, or do I, like, not make an attack, but if I don't make the attack, like, do they just get four free mana on, like, a free turn to cast a Memory Deluge, like... It's a it's a pretty tough bind for opponents on four mana at some points.
0: Yeah, sounds a lot like the old uh, Delver squeeze or the, the uh, fairy squeeze, the, yep. the Mistbind click cryptic command.
1: That's exactly what it is. yep old <laughs> school.
0: And I, I wanted to I wanted to talk about memory delegate use, so I was glad that you brought it up because it was interesting to me to see the full four copies in your lists. when I think in most control decks, you tend to see a couple of those and like one or two dig through time.
1: Yep, We could have played Dig Through Time. I don't think that's crazy by any means. Um, I, we actually debated playing one or two. Um, but Dig Through Time gets you two cards. Like, it's two mana, you get two cards. Memory Deluge actually gets you... Like, the first time you cast it, you get two cards. And the next time you cast it, you get two more. So it's, you know, essentially four cards from one card, right? So it's more extra resources and... Um, you know, seven mana flashback is a lot, but with a deck like this, it just happens all the time. Like you are just going to do it. Um you're gonna trade resources, you're gonna use that first memory deluge to like get you that little extra burst you need to like help you answer that one or two problem permanents that slip through the crack. Um maybe, you know, and that for spots like that, Void is perfect by the way. Just answer anything. Yep. And then once you've answered those couple permanents, now all of a sudden both players are empty and flooded out, um, and you're just sitting there with, you know, neither person have anything going on. you got seven mana, they have seven mana, and then you cast a Memory Deluge for the second time, and that's the game, basically. I mean, it, it ends there.
0: So would you say that the presence of so much additional cheap disruption, the Thought Seasons and Fatal Pushes, that Black gives you over being a know, straight Azorius control deck tilts the balance uh, of power away from dig through time and towards deluge because you're able to just keep up with your opponent in the early turns so you can afford to play a somewhat slower card that is more robust that offers you more cards in the long run
1: oh yeah 100 percent. i mean I, I think that's part of it I, I do think those cards would also lend better to dig through time because they just fill up your graveyard better than blue white does but blue white like is so clunky that it like needs the tempo. Whereas this deck is, like, cheap and lean, so, like, you'd rather take more cards. So, like, I agree with you, um, you know, overall with basically everything you mentioned for that. Um, But I also just think the blue-eyed deck is pretty bad, if I'm being honest. Like, I tried it, I wanted to like it, and it has some really good things, but the cheap spells are just so bad. Um, (laughs) Even even
0: the, the, like, Marcha of Purifying Light or whatever it is
1: yeah marches there's spots where it's good There are spots where you're happy with it but like you know this is a format dominated by really good there's a lot of really good one drops going on here one and two drops specifically um a lot of lanor elves that you don't want to fall behind against a lot of um you know monastery swift spears and soul scar mages you got mausoleum wanderers out of spirits like there, there's a lot going on early in the curve and um, blue-white, just, you know, you have your four portable holes, but portable holes is, like, pretty medium card um, overall. And then outside of that, you just don't get any cheap plays, and you just got to hope your sensors line up, which is, again, pretty iffy in a world of land where else. Um, and then the the march, like, on the play is good, but on the draw just feels so bad. Like, you just really don't want to be pitching cards to it, but you just end up having to, and then you kind of get outground by decks you're trying to you know grind out I guess
0: yeah, that 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 makes a lot of sense i think you know especially now that we you have the the try land to make the mana base significantly better um you know your ability to just put better interaction in your in your deck is significantly higher
1: yep i will also say like this is credit to Raja. I did almost no work on this mana base, but the mana base for this Esper deck was like a work of art. We spent he spent a long time working on it, and then we talked about it, and it was like, oh yeah, this is this is really smart. Um the the triome helped a lot, but then you're like basically a blue black control deck splashing double white four drops. Like that's what the deck is kind of doing. Uh and the way it's built, I think, just makes that work so well. The the four deserted beaches and four glacial fortresses, but not four hallowed fountains, I think is like really smart
0: yeah uh no that that makes sense like you you have a mana bases and pioneer are kind of interesting because you have a ton of different dual land options and finding the the right ones is often not obvious but but here it makes sense if you're playing wandering emperor and things on turn four you want those to be your third and fourth land drops which are your sort of untapped lands you know, a lot of times these decks are just starting on a tapped land on turn one and then untapped from, you know, from there on out for the most part. Yep. And, it, you, you know, you've set yourself up to do that.
1: Well, the other thing, like, I've had a couple people ask me, they're like, well, why don't you just play the Hall of Because Hall always untapped. But, like, I don't know, have you ever been playing a game where... You got three man up you got a elephant in your hand and then you just shock and say go opponents are like well they have a four drop here like they're gonna you know what i mean and You just yeah. give away your casting it and with these lands it's just like oh deserted beach or glacial fortress always in turn tapped play it go uh, and then there's just like you don't put any information into their head um so you know it kind of conceals what's happening but the other the other interesting part about this is i think people have generally accepted pathways are one of the best land cycles in pioneer at this point um, basically every deck I've looked at has some amount of pathways in them, and we played zero pathways, which I think is you know maybe not obvious on the surface, but the deck just had so many double color and triple color spells. You just really, really, really wanted every land to tap for two colors, and yeah. that was uh, that was the other I think big innovation Raja came up with there.
0: Yeah, that is very very true. If your man if your mana base is like this, where you're playing absorb and supreme verdict and wandering emperor. Uh, and Memory Deluge, and then early black cards alongside those. Like, yeah, you, you're going to need, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of dual lands to cover all those different colored pips on your cards.
1: Yeah, definitely. Well, and the two-drop slot of the deck was Vanishing vs. Dovin's Veto and Drawn in the Lock for me. So it was like, <laughs> I have double-colored two-drops of every single color combination. Like, the mana needs to be good. Yeah. Um, and it was. It was good. It was good all of that.
0: Yeah, I didn't really, you know... I didn't really think twice looking at this mana base because it's all just reasonable lands that I would expect. But you're right. I, I do not think this is a mana base that most people, you know, would put together. Um, you, you would see more pathways. You'd probably see 12 shock lands, which it's not just about, you know, turn four giving your opponent information. There's also just games against aggressive decks where if you draw three shock lands, like you might just die, whereas one or two shock lands, you might live.
1: Oh, no, for sure. I mean, that, that's all important.
0: Yeah. The, the I think the most surprising land in the mana base is the two copies of Fetid Pools but with the way that you're trying to play out the early turns starting on a tapped Demir land and then uh, playing a bunch of untapped white lands after that makes a lot of sense.
1: Yep, so that was that was the one I was most concerned about when he sent me the mana base. I was like, ah, this all is always really good. I don't know about the Fetid Pools. And then I played with it and was like, oh wait a minute, the Fetid Pools is perfect because you do have a bunch of check lands. Um, but also, just the cycling lands are good. Just the triomes, I mean, are you know, great because they tap for three colors and they have basic land types, but the cycling comes up on triomes. There are games where you definitely cycle one of them. And yeah,
0: and that's especially cycles, true in an 80 card deck.
1: Exactly. And this cycles for two mana less, so or one mana less. It's two mana instead of three. Um, and, you know, that that came up. That comes up a lot in yourion decks. I mean, you just mentioned it, but, you know, you flood and you screw more often um, just because of the nature of how 80-card, you know, randomness in 80-cards works versus 60-cards. Um, so just more things that introduce consistency to your deck were important, and Theta Pools was great for it. Okay.
0: Well, um, I assume with both of you top 8 you both came away from this <laughs> tournament feeling pretty good about your deck. Yeah,
1: um, I mean, there's some things we would change. Like, we built it kind of... I mean, it's kind of an unknown meta for the weekend, right? Like, we know there's going to be some things, but we also don't know what other things might show up.
0: Yeah, I, I th- I've... I think there. you have a pretty good idea, or at least I, I would have had a pretty good idea of, of the totality of, of what I expect, but I'm not sure what proportions they're going to show up in. You know, exactly. there's going to be a good amount of aggro decks, mono, green, some people still playing. Is it uh, and, you know, different Rakdos variants, but, like, how much of each of those is showing up? How many other control decks are showing up? Are you going to play against Lotus Field is sort of a, a side question because that deck is so unique. Um, but you know all of those things are going to be there in some numbers. It's just a question of what those numbers are.
1: Yep. So, I, I mean, I don't know. For people that watched my quarterfinals match, I don't even remember if it was live. I was in the feature match area, but I think it was a backup match, maybe. Um, I just got absolutely clowned by uh, a cat oven deck. And my deck is not good at answering oven. Like, I can kill a cat, but that thing just keeps coming back. Um, uh, and, this was Jeffrey Carr. Yep. Um, and we just didn't build it. Like, we thought the red-black deck that was going to show up was going to be the more mid-rangey version. And when I played against the mid-rangey version with, like, um, you know, Bonecrusher Giants and Fable of the Mirror Breaker and, you know, those cards, um, I won pretty handedly. But, um, you know, when I played against the cat oven deck, I just felt like I never really had a chance at all. And And
0: really missing those marches now.
1: Yeah, the thats the one spot where I was like, (laughs) I guess I wish I had marches for this exactly. But really, I think the cyborg plan just needs to change a little bit to accommodate for that deck if it's going to be popular. I don't even know if it's going to be popular going forward. But you could
0: also like cyborg rest in peace if you wanted to.
1: Yeah, so that's what we were saying was like graveyard hate that actually works against cat because graveyard trespasser really doesn't. Um, would be good or just like sideboard marches or like some sideboard farewells even just just account for it i mean that was something i would do going forward um the other thing is the noxious grasps were atrocious so don't play noxious grasp in the sideboard um if if you wanted to just like copy paste my list and play an event i tell you it's probably pretty good but if you cut the noxious grasps for either more vanishing verses or ways to kill artifacts and enchantments essentially i guess
0: was grass bad because you didn't run into mono green, or just unnecessary in that matchup?
1: Uh, well, it's just it. I realized like after playing, guys, like I played it because it was the best sideboard card I could split for mono green plus blue white because it kills all the planeswalkers, basically. Well, it doesn't kill Karn, and that's all. Doesn't kill an Karn, yeah. <laughs> part of it, and neither would Vanishing Verse. But the the awkward thing is against mono green, is it? Doesn't actually deal with Cavalier of Thorns all that well, or the Troll all that well, and Vanishing Verse is just so much cleaner against that deck. Um, so I, I would say just play Vanishing Verse, and Vanishing Verse actually ends up being pretty good against Blue White too. It's awkward that it doesn't kill Five Minute to Fairy, but it answers Wandering Emperor and all the Shark tokens. So um, I think Vanishing Verse in the sideboard's probably better. I could see going up to four in certain matchups.
0: But you, you like your matchup against Mono Green, I assume.
1: Uh, yeah, we did. We like the matchup. Yeah. I mean, you know, th- that deck's so powerful. Sometimes they can chain off Storm the Festival and get you um, but, you know, if I if I'm giving like percentages, I thought we were like 55-45 or something like that and you'll you'll take that when you feel like you're favorite against most of the rest of the field too. Yeah.
0: I'm so glad that you you said a, a reasonable number <laughs> instead yeah. of being like, "Yeah, we're like 70-30." It's just a number that makes no sense.
1: No, no, no. Not I there's very few decks there or matchups in Magic that are 70-30 in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, very
0: few get past 60-40, I would say. yep.
1: Yeah, but
0: 60-40 like is a huge advantage.
1: Yeah, I mean, even 55-45, like, you have yeah, a this, 10% greater equity, right? Like, it's huge.
0: Yeah. But uh, I, you know, w- with... Uh, I just wanted to clarify on mono green since that, to me, seemed like the, the big winner from the weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, winning one of the Moto Challenges. I think it was second in the other one, or it was Monogreen Ramp, I think, won the other one. And sure. S- and second in the the NRG. So uh, I would imagine that you will be running into significantly more Monogreen in the coming weeks.
1: Yeah, Monogreen, like, when they beat you, you do lose to Storm the Festival sometimes. You will definitely lose to that. Yeah, but it's a messed up card. When they aren't Storming the Festival, they aren't beating you. I mean, it, they just have too much... Like, they just don't have enough permanence that matter against you. Yeah. Um, and it's just so easy for you to keep their devotion count low so they're not going crazy with Nykthos. Um, I mean, if you, you know, keep a terrible hand and you don't interact with them, yeah, they're going to explode on you and do Nykthos things and cast a bunch of spells and you'll probably lose. But if you keep a hand that, you know, kills the turn one elf and then answers the Karn and then, you know, stops the Cavalier or whatever, like, you're going to be in great shape.
0: Are you more scared of the aggressive mono green lists, the ones that play um uh werewolf pack leader and like Mistcutter hydra? Uh
1: no. The the thing that's scary for this deck is actually the Green Red Ramp Deck. We were the Green Red Ramp Deck had won like a pioneer um event. I don't remember a challenge maybe. Like the weekly won the before Sunday the challenge this last weekend. Yep. And it had also won like the, the week before, like before the Winota banning, I believe. And we were talking about it, and we played some leagues, and we played against them, um, and I got clowned. And we, like, they weren't doing anything. We just, like, figured we were favored, and then all of a sudden they're casting Ulamog and Emrakul, and you you don't do well against those cards. So um, we're trying to figure out, like, what we could do. We, we played some uh, Unmoored Egos in the sideboard, and I actually was beating the green-red ramp deck with Unmoored Ego uh, by just taking all the Ulamogs and Emrakuls, but I don't think that's... Like, it's such a narrow sideboard card. It's, like, the only deck you want those for. Um, I guess you yeah. maybe want them for Lotus Field, but it just wasn't good enough, and we kind of were just figuring, you know, it whatever, this is a bad matchup. It probably won't see much play. If we do play against it, hopefully Thought Season of Wanderhamper is good enough, uh, and that's kind of where we were at. But,
0: yeah. yeah. You, it's definitely a matchup where you could just get super aggressive.
1: Yep, and you kind of can, but sometimes they just have, like, the Cavalier of Thorns draws, and then you're wandering over to gets stonewalled, and th- there can be some awkward uh, situations, I guess, against that deck. Um, but, you know, you can always you can always win if you have... Thoughts uses a heck of a magic card. Gotta get your tempo plan on, Zach. Yep. Thoughts use into start attacking with Shambling Vent on turn four. Go. <laughs>
0: get
1: that oh, life good. back.
0: Get that, uh... Trespasser down and start holding up some counter spells. Ethergust their their Cavalier thorns. Oh yeah. Send that Othakai upstairs.
1: <laughs> oh, you joke! But the Othakai upstairs won me multiple matches. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's uh, it, it's it's funny because like the first one like almost always goes at like a creature or planeswalker they control, but then you blink it with Yorion, and that's going upstairs. That's sending a message.
0: Yeah, <laughs> 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 telling you this. Is, uh- the terms of engagement have changed. Yep, <laughs> I am the beat down now.
1: I've got a four or five. Let's go.
0: Yeah, that's that's <laughs> the Captain Phillips meme moment. <laughs> so, uh, let's talk a little bit about just Pioneer in general post ban. Um, you know, I mentioned Mono Green is sort of a big winner of the weekend. We've seen the ramp deck also emerge. Um, do you have a, a firm idea in your head of where you think this metagame, which was relatively open this weekend? you know i'm just looking through the the nrg results and like win rates are, are pretty evenly spread across a lot of decks mono green is is a little bit higher than the rest uh doing pretty well uh but these are all you know very small sample sizes but you know where where in your estimation is this meta game going and do you think that's a healthy place
1: okay so first of all this pioneer format was awesome I hated the Winota format. I actually posted on Twitter last week. I wasn't even going to play if it was still the Winota format. Like, I was just so sick of it. Um, I I really didn't. And Expressive Iteration is too good of a card. It really is. Like, I know the banning. Some people are like, ah, it's like an uncommon from a set. And, you know, it's only a divination. And it's like, no. That's like saying Brainstorm is only a cantrip. Like, they're not. It's not the same thing.
0: Tannen and I were on the ban iteration train in Legacy. So <laughs> yeah,
1: I, I, you could ban the card in—I mean, a lot of formats. Every they, format, yeah.
0: Um, um, just just et that card. Send them all to the desert.
1: I don't actually hate it in modern. I think it's like an appropriate power level for modern. I think it's a little egregious in Legacy when you also get access to brainstorm, whatever. Um, it's not really what we're talking about. But anyway, happy it's gone in this format because I think it was too good. And so is Winota. And now we're left with this format that I think is super interesting. The power level feels a lot flatter. It feels like your decisions and your deck building choices matter a lot. And um, Mono Green, less so. Like, Mono Green's best card is Nykthos. So it's like pretty obvious, like, do things to maximize Nykthos. Um, and that deck is, I guess, closer to completion of being built. And you, you see that reflected because early in the format, it's like easily built. Like, the, the incentives are pretty clear what you're supposed to be doing. And people had good lists and then they did really well right yeah. it's pretty easy to
0: get that deck to 95 98%, you know.
1: Yep. And control less so. Like I think I think my list is good. And I well, I mean I guess I'd call it Raj's list, but I think that list is very good. I think that will catch on and be closer to the control deck that people start playing in the format. Um, and I think that deck is good. And I think we're going to start figuring out which aggro decks are good. I think there's three or four contenders still. Um, but I think there's still room for dark horses uh a deck i you know we had on a radar that i didn't see at all that i think could be good now is um there's a bunch of like in soul in soul artifact decks that really like couldn't exist in the winota world that i think could be good in this one so I, i'm curious to see if that stops starts popping back up um as an aggro deck but the other aggro decks um you know mono don't, red. Te- don't
0: tease me zach I, I love me a nice and soul
1: I, I think that deck could be good. I think it needs a lot of work. People need to figure it out. But there's a lot of strong cards for that archetype in this format, and I think it lines up really well against a lot of the removal being played, um, and can end the game really fast. So um, I also think it's like pretty good against mono green because mono green like really heavily counts on expensive spells, and they do not like getting stubborn Denialed. Um, so I think you know you pair stubborn denial, and aether gust you're gonna have a really good chance of beating mono green within a soul deck. Um, but, you know, we, we see those things. The big question in my mind with the metagame now is what is the default red-black deck going forward? Because I think red-black has a lot of legs. I think it's a player in the format. It's got, I think it's going to be the de facto mid-range deck. Um, but there's a lot of different ways people are building it, and I want to see where that shakes out. Because I think that's going to be a really big pillar and a, like, a really big um, like signpost for where you should go. Like, you kind of need to be looking at how red-black builds look for the week to decide how to build your deck, I think.
0: Interesting. Can can you expand on that?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the red-black decks right now, there are the Cat Oven decks, obviously, so more sacrifice-based decks. They're playing um, Omnixilis, and to my knowledge, those decks are better against most of the field than the other red-black decks, but awful against Mono Green, like almost can't beat Mono Green. And then yeah, there they're, are... They're trying
0: to do mid-rangey things, and Mono Green is doing more powerful mid-rangey things.
1: Yep. Yep. And yeah, they just get Stonewall on the ground, and then Mono Green just goes way over the top of them, and then the game's over. Um, the red-black mid-range deck with like uh, Bonecrusher Giant and Kroxa and Kalidus and Fable Mirror Breaker, yep, graveyard trespasser. Those decks actually beat Mono Green. I, I think um, you know I wouldn't you know again not heavily favored, but I think you're like 55-45 or somewhere in that range against Mono Green with those red-black mid-range decks. And I I think if that becomes the de facto version, there's, you know, you want to start maybe building to beat that, but, you know, if those decks become good and push out mono green, then all of a sudden the cat oven deck becomes bad, or, you know, is bad because it's hard to interact with, um, and I also think you could build towards Jund with some of these cat oven decks and, like, become, like, a food-based deck, maybe playing Corvold or Gilded Goose, I I don't know exactly where to go with that, but that's been a player in a ton of formats, um like on Kor- Arena
0: Korwald would definitely help you against Green.
1: yep so I, I don't know exactly which direction it's going to go but I that to me is the archetype that has the most room for customization in the format right now and the most room to like kind of grow and start defining the meta and that's the one you want to watch the next two weeks to me is like what happens with that because Um, you know, you really don't want to be playing like mono red into the cat oven deck. Like, the mono red deck just against cat oven is just so bad. Like, cat just gains too much life. Yeah, Um, too much life,
0: you know, not only from its triggers, but also free blocks. And then they've got a bunch of food to sacrifice too. And they're also able to play the mid range games. If you try to grind with them, they're probably better than you at it.
1: (laughs) Yep. Yeah. And then, like, mono blue spirits is like maybe okay against that. But I can't imagine that deck ever beating a mayhem devil. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it really depends, like, like like I just said, that, that red-black deck is the crux of the format. I mean, it's like, yeah. which direction is it going?
0: Because the Rakdos decks have more polarized matchups, it you know, their presence or lack of presence creates, you know, undue, uh, you know, impact on the rest of the metagame.
1: Yeah, oh, definitely. Um, and I, I do want to see if other, or like, other mid-range decks emerge. We didn't really see any this weekend, but I wouldn't be surprised if some do. Um, I oh. think you could see Niv coming back.
0: Yeah, if, um, if you look at that's what I was going to say if you look at league data you actually see some Niv visit. Uh, okay. you know Claudio's there because they're always there with Niv visit but yep. uh, <laughs> uh, I don't I think they weren't the only one. <laughs> Sure. Um, and then, and then the other one that is starting to come back is the, you know, Transmogrify, Luca Agent of Treachery deck.
1: Ooh, so that was actually a deck I was testing. I wanted to test for the event. Yeah. I had, like, a build I, like, kind of liked, but I just ran out of time because I was kind of focused on doing that modern thing I talked about earlier where I was trying all those different decks. Yep. Um, but there have been some really, I, I tested before I played SCG in the, I think that was in, like, March, maybe. Um... We tested a like a four color transmog deck and it was pretty good but it just wasn't as good as Phoenix or Winota, so we played Phoenix at the event. Um, but I, I think they could come back and it's had a lot of upgrades. There's been like a red green one that's like doing okay. But I think going to transmogging into just Titan of Industries just like not really where you want to be at and you really do want to be doing the Yorion plus Agent of Treachery thing.
0: Yeah. Um, Especially with Fable because yeah. The Fable is messed up with that.
1: You oh. Fable is incredible with that. I 100% agree. And then, um, like, a lot of people are doing four-color, which you, like, easily can do now because you have all these triomes where, like, the deck at the time I was doing it didn't have them and it couldn't really do four-color as well. But I, when I was building it, I realized, like, you don't even want white. Like, the reason to play white before was to Fairy Time rambler, which is banned. So I, I really think people need to be looking at Teamer Transmogrify. I think that's, like, the next place to look. Um, With, like, Fires of Invention. Uh, You have all these channel things that work really well with Fires of Invention. Um, Uh, Yeah, that's really cool. Yep, and there was another card that got printed. I think it's called um, Courier's Briefcase, which... Oh, like, you were playing uh, Birth of Miletus before because you just needed, like, the cheap token maker that you could transmog. But that card was pretty bad, and you really didn't want to fetch planes because you weren't having a white deck. Um, and this Courier's Briefcase just is so much better for that style of effect. Um, and that lets you just be like clean teamer. And then I think you can just transmog into Agent in most matchups. And then where that was bad was against specifically very aggressive decks. And against those decks, you just board out your Agents, board in your Titanium Industries out of your sideboard, and then transmog into that, and that's game over.
0: That sounds sweet.
1: Yeah, I'm so not- I, I think we could see that... Um, yeah, and Niv could come back. Niv with some Coligans commands could be good. And then I, I don't know. I still feel like there's some other decks that could appear. I'm not sure where they're at yet. Um, I'm surprised there's not an Omnath deck in this format. If I'm being honest, I really am. Well,
0: Omnath, the 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 Omnath colored deck is is casting Transmogrify. So
1: true, but Omnath is just so good. I I think it's you know it has something to do with fetch lands, obviously, but yeah. I still think that there could be some sort of Omnath build, and no one's found it yet. The card's just too powerful.
0: Yeah, between your, your four Fable Passages and your four Growth Spirals. and
1: Yep. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you yeah. could play... Didn't make it work. I think there's some sort of thing that you could sack to put a land in play, too, like a Sakura Tribal there, but maybe it's three mana. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Um, but, you know, it, it just feels like that card's worth building around. Like, it's one of the best cards in Modern. And... um. I wouldn't be surprised if someone found something like that, but I don't think we found it yet.
0: I wouldn't be surprised, but I would be disappointed because I hate that card.
1: I agree with you. It made that standard format miserable, but it was just <laughs> so good that it's like it seems like maybe there should be something there. I don't know.
0: Omnath um, is like the exact kind of card that is awesome in all of the decks I never play. <laughs> so, sure. so I'm never winning with it and always losing to
1: it. I just hate it. Sure. Sure. Um, and then i also think we need to see some clarification of where blue red's supposed to go um i think blue red prowess is maybe out i think losing expressive iteration takes you back to wanting to be just mono red prowess if you're gonna do prowess stuff um but i do think like blue red phoenix is still clearly a deck and i think we should start seeing like blue red control come back too where it's like the Um, maybe Days Undoing or Collective Defiance plus Narset combination of cards, I think that could have some legs, too. And I'm surprised I didn't see as much of it as I did this weekend. Well, you know, right after
0: the ban, I think it's pretty easy for people to be kind of scared of playing the deck that got hurt hurt significantly. Sure. Um, And, you know, it takes a little bit of, of time for people to see that, you know, okay, the deck is still fine. We've you know figure out what the necessary changes are to make. I, that's just the way I've I've always seen the hive mind. Like the the hive mind is going to react and try to find the deck that they think you know gains the most Im- Im- immediately. Sure. Um. You know, as opposed to thinking of the you know metagame as a coherent ecosystem and trying to figure out all of the, uh, you know, uh, interlocking parts and how the, how they're changing the the various pushes and pulls. The the dialectics, if you will, sure. Um, so uh, that that wasn't too surprising to me. My my call on Izzet Dex was actually I, I thought Phoenix got surprisingly would be surprisingly hurt more in the long run because the lack of expressive iteration meant that you had to rely more on treasure crews to generate card advantage, and thus you were opening yourself up to too much graveyard hate if you're also relying on Phoenix. Um, but we'll see how that plays out. Uh, it certainly seems like the early returns are, are Phoenix over prowess here. So I I might've, I might be wrong there.
1: No, I I think you're probably right. Um, I think you're right that it opens them up to graveyard hate, but I didn't see very much graveyard hate this weekend. So that's probably a reason Phoenix did well, right?
0: Yeah. So if, if, you know, if it's not there, you don't really have to have to care that much. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, you really don't see a lot of like you know hard rest of peace kind of graveyard hate or any of the you know Tormod's crypty effects. It's a lot of small ball stuff like graveyard trespasser.
1: Yeah, no, I think graveyard trespasser is the best piece of graveyard hate in the format right now. And that, that card is a house, by the way. I think that is one of the easy most underrated cards in Pioneer.
0: I was high on that card during previous season, and then it really didn't find a home in Standard. Um, but glad that it has found a, a significant home in Pioneer because I agree that card is sweet.
1: The, the ward cost of discard a card is just so much better than it looks, especially in, like, decks that are trying to attrition you out. Like, it's so good in that red-black deck that's playing a bunch of discard with it.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, and, like, you know, when you're playing that kind of a grindy, you know, discard-heavy Rakdos deck, you're also just afraid of people utilizing their graveyard a lot. Oh, yeah. So it really does everything.
1: Oh, no, it's, it's perfect. It gives life, too, which red-black decks really appreciate. Um, yeah, it, it just fits so well in that deck, and it's big too. It's like a three mana four four if you can get it on the night side. So that, that's you know it's a real clock.
0: Yeah, that's that's really the card to me that has always held that that deck together.
1: Yep. So yeah, I think we'll see Phoenix go I mean, maybe not Phoenix, but there should be a blue red shell playing Opt, Consider, and Treasure Cruiser Dig Through Time. Like that package is too powerful not to have a home in this format. And I think at some point someone's going to put it together and find like the right list for that that package of card advantage slash card selection. Yeah.
0: And you have and Ledger Shredder too. Like.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All, that is going to find a home. It's just a matter of time until we find the right build. And I think, you know, th- this is just part of the, the metagame churn. Like week one, you're always going to see more aggro and like decks like Mono Green, where it's obvious how to build a deck. Not, you know, perfect. You know, not saying it's easy to build them, but it's more obvious to put those kind of decks together. And you're going to see more of them in those tournaments. And then um, those decks probably- are also
0: a little bit more forgiving. Like, you know yep. you, you could have the wrong four drop but as long as it has two pips of devotion you'll be fine
1: exactly and you know now that people see what the aggressive decks are like what the linear like more linear decks people are playing look like now it becomes significantly easier to build mid-range and then I think you know we'll see red black start to evolve we'll see is it start to evolve and then maybe niv slash uh you know whatever other mid-range decks transmog, transmog maybe sure um And then, I don't know, is Lotus Field going to come back? I kind of thought that one would be good, but it really just doesn't exist. So I'm not really sure what's going on with that guy.
0: Yeah, that was a surprise to me, too. Um, You know, I was never on the, you know, ban it side. I know that there have been some voices there um, because I personally, you know, think uh, combo decks exist in a healthy metagame, and I didn't think the current iteration of the deck was, you know, too powerful. And this first week, you know, uh, goes a long way towards supporting that because it really is a no-show.
1: Yeah, it's not... I don't think it's particularly good. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you. I think there should be combo decks. You gotta have a line, but I definitely think there should be combo decks. Um, I would actually, you know, I don't want to bring up unbanned talk, talk or whatever, but I would be kind of cool with them unbanning walking blister. Just saying. We could do that. Bring Mono White Devotion back. That'd be cool. Um... I don't know how much people want that, but I'd be okay if they did it, me personally. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't
0: know. <laughs> a, 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 adding more good Yori index to, to the metagame doesn't sound great to me,
1: but... Let's just do the swap. Let's just put Yori on, on the ban list, and then put Mono White on, or give Mono White back Walking Ballista, and then boom.
0: That I am okay with. All right, cool. Yeah, well, I'm I'm fine making, it's like a prisoner transfer, I'm, I'm fine with that. <laughs>
1: I would also be fine with that, because Companions can go, dude. I have shuffled (laughs) enough 80 cred decks.
0: Yeah, I think everybody has been sick of Companions for about a year, if not more. I was pretty sick of them, I think, a a month or so in.
1: I mean, can we, like, just for a second, just appreciate that they added three mana to the <laughs> Three mana! You know what the difference between one mana and four mana of a spell is? It's is like the,
0: is the difference between Ancestor Recall and like Concentrate.
1: Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's not even close. It's so like, like <laughs> Ancestor hosted. Recall, most powerful card maybe of all time. Concentrate, not even playable in Pioneer. Probably not even playable in Standard, honestly. Yeah, And like the 83 minute of the mechanic, and it's still the best mechanic in like the game right now. Like, that's so ridiculous. Do you remember
0: that that first month when everyone was figuring out, you know, how to play with with the companions and you know the Luris decks had to start playing like weird cards to fit, you know, they were main decking Nile spell bombs and you know, seal of fires and uh, people were playing like Dark Confidant as their card advantage threat because it cost two, and then these were all sort of like interesting deck building decisions. Uh, and you know, Yorin decks fi- figuring out what cheap cantrips they wanted to play, and it was actually kind of fun. And then we figured it out and realized, you know, and and not realized but saw how busted the cards were, and it hasn't been fun at all since then.
1: Yep, it's literally never changed. Um,
0: yeah,
1: dude, I still just can't believe there was a time where you could just. Cast Luris just out of your exile zone. Just boom, three mana on turn three. Here's Luris.
0: Yeah, p- like, people GGs. were just playing turn one, Black Lotus Luris, replay Black Lotus. <laughs> yeah,
1: that, I mean, that just happened. You just you know, let's just play companions right out of the exile zone. Oh yeah. my god. Um, yeah. Wow. Uh, so if we could just <laughs> cut that whole mechanic out of Magic, that would be. I think that's the last vestige of the Fires era that we could. uh yeah. Snip real quick. It, it and was move a on. it was
0: a fun one month long deck building experiment. To you know, figure out how to maximize those cards, and then once we figured it out, it has stopped immediately. stopped being fun.
1: Sure, and I, like I've also to your point, I did agree. I did enjoy that one month while we were trying to figure it out. Yeah. And I've actually said on you know social media platforms a few times that um, if you were going to leave companions legal in formats, you need to print more of them. You can't just have these be the only companions because it's like literally the best mechanic in the game. Like I don't know, arguably. I, I can't think of another one. There's probably some other one. Dredge, maybe. I don't know. Some other companion or mechanic that's close to as busted. Frexian um, mana, maybe. But anyway, it's in the very top tier of mechanics, arguably by itself. And there's only 10 cards with it. And now, like, only six of them are legal or something, um, depending on what format you look at. And they all require, like, the, the drawback was supposed to be you had these different requirements. So it's like, well, you need to give us ones that have other requirements and other things to, like, diversify gameplay. Otherwise, it's just the same game every single time. Yeah. And it just you, never happened.
0: You create situations like we have in Modern where the best Yorian deck is just the best deck.
1: Yep. And the the thing that's, like, sort of frustrating about this, too, is, like, Yorian is broken because it gives you this unfair advantage over other decks. It's not broken because it's just like too good of a card per se. Because it's a fine card. It's like a 5 mana creature that like yes, you get for free and yet, you know what I mean? Like yes, like the mechanic is broken, but on its face like if Goryan was just a card you're going to put in your deck, it's just like a fine card. It's like not even that good.
0: Yeah, and, and I think what the key, you know, the reason that it, you see it dominating modern but not dominating pioneer where ostensibly it would be easier to dominate Pioneer as a lower-powered format, is in Modern, you get to pair Yorian, which gives you this unbeatable endgame, with Solitude and Fury that make sure that you don't lose in the early game, um, or, or, you know, Force of Negation you could have in your deck, too, if if the metagame dictated it. You have all of this free, uh, you know, protection, and ways to make sure that you know w- when you spend those early turns just casting your cantrips to set up your Yorian and make sure you hit your land drops you're not falling too far behind but the Yorian decks in pioneer uh, you know have to play a bunch of cheap disruption and you know spend actual mana on it so you're able to more easily get underneath them
1: yeah definitely but like the other thing too is like you Lor- Yorian gives you this unbeatable end game cuz other decks don't have a companion but like in modern when you were playing Yorian versus Luris. Urian wasn't an unbeatable endgame because Lurus's end endgame was arguably better in a lot of spots. So, like, that's just kind of the real problem here is, like, why it's so broken. It's, like, only a couple decks get access to this extra endgame that most of the decks don't have. And that's why a lot of these modern decks just aren't as good. Like, you play Cascade or stuff, and if, if Cascade had, like, a companion it could play, it'd be so much better. And same for Blue Red Murktide, and same for... X other innumerable decks that just don't have this extra card that this just some percentage of decks get for no yeah. reason.
0: And when we you know when we talk about this being the unbeatable end game uh, for the people at home, it's it's more than just the effect of the card. You know, Yorian being this four 5 flyer that probably draws three cards on average and, and can draw more than that. Um, it's the fact that it sits in your sideboard, so you have access to it every game, and because you know you have access to it every game, you don't have to put similar cards in your deck. So you actually get to make your deck more lean and more efficient in every other game while still having access to this great end game. Whereas a deck like Is It Murktide would have to play, you know, Jace and, you know, similar cards like that, and then draw them some percentage of games when they're bad because they're playing against an aggressive deck and they're not able to get it down or have games where you just don't draw it in time you know, for it to be relevant, whereas Yorian, as long as you make your land drops, is always drawn on time. So that that's like the brokenness of, of the companion mechanic, is it really skews how you're able to build your decks and breaks the natural variance of a deck-building game.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. And the, the the frustrating thing, too, is just like the, the gameplay is actually fine. Like, Yorian and Luris. Actually, create interesting gameplay because one of the worst parts about magic is you know, when people run out of resources, they just don't get to do anything for five turns while the other person's just winning. Um, and you know, that's a frustrating part about magic, but like the companions were actually good at solving that, they just didn't make enough of them for everyone to get to do that, you know what I mean? So,
0: um, but if we had a world where we just made a bunch of them and every single deck was a companion deck, like would that be fun? I think I, that would be annoying.
1: I, I could see it being annoying, but I don't think it necessarily wouldn't be fun. Like, I would be open to trying that, and I think it could be interesting. Um, it's definitely changed... I mean, it changes magic drastically, right? It makes it yeah. somewhat of a different game, but I don't Commander think it already
0: exists, Zach.
1: It's true, but I don't think it's necessarily unfun. I think it's just, like, a different way to play, and I think it makes... I think it makes the game... Like, it could make the games better in some scenarios. Like, I think if everyone had a companion in all decks people would be more likely to play more lands which creates less games where you mana screw and then all of a sudden like more games are fun because when you do flood you at least have a companion that that style or that type of thing so it's like i'm not i wouldn't say that it would be unfun but you'd have to work really hard to make sure that the companions are balanced generally across the board and that might be too hard i don't know
0: well certainly too hard for a watsi at this point
1: that's probably true. They they did not get Loris right. I'll say that much. I
0: mean, but you know, my my working theory for a long time has been they're pumping out so much product now that they can't possibly you know test it to you know even the standard they used to when you know, and we didn't even think that was enough. Yep. So, which is why they're you know much more open to banning cards now because they realize they're just going to have to because they're going to miss more often.
1: Yeah, I mean the. The print schedule has become quite aggressive. I'm not going to argue that. That is definitely happening.
0: Oh, yeah. Endless preview season. What what set are we previewing right now? I'm sure there's one.
1: I think Double Masters. Yeah, yeah, I I was going to say, I think Double Masters, actually. Double Masters, Rendition, 95.
0: Yeah, I barely even know what these sets are. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's impossible Um, to keep up.
1: I think, yeah, Baldur's Gate has released, and now we're on to Double Masters, and then I think there's a standard set coming out um, in the middle of double masters pre-release, I think it releases on the Saturday night, where you know you can double Masters pre-release Saturday and Sunday, and then you get a standard set in between. Um, sure. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Who knows, dude? Okay. Maybe they'll uh, tone it down. We also <laughs> get three secret layers coming up, so. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's three coming up. I'm sure there's like twelve over the course of the year.
1: Oh, there's more than that. I'm okay. just saying you get that's you get like thirty three, up. You get three secret layers for breakfast, and another three secret layers for dinner. <laughs>
0: Uh, as long as it comes with Hollandaise. Ooh,
1: that sounds pretty good. <laughs>
0: uh, I wanted to wrap up talking a little bit about the NRG series in general. Uh, sure. Because I personally ha- have yet to play an NRG event. They-, they keep going further north in the Midwest from their base in Chicagoland, and I need them to come closer to me. And uh, so I think I'm going to try to hit up some of the events in Season 3 that are a little closer. There's one, like, right outside of Columbus – Um, and then one in, there's one in not Indianapolis, but somewhere near there. Um, I can't remember the schedule, but there's, there's ones that are feasible, uh, that won't require me taking like a $900 flight because that's basically what it costs to fly to Roanoke at this point.
1: Yeah. Yikes. It's an exaggeration,
0: but it's not, it's not good. The, the, the number is too high.
1: (laughs) I I know. I believe it. I mean, just the cost of traveling has gone up massively.
0: Um, and uh, you know from what I from what I see that the this reminds me a lot of the early days of the SCG tour when it was two one day events um and there's a, a sort of small dedicated cadre of people that, that are doing well um you know you're obviously number 1 on the leaderboard right now um and it, it and you know everything looks to be to be going very smoothly but i wanted to just get you know, a perspective of, of somebody who's played several of these events. And, it, you know, you've also played a lot, uh, you know, on the former SEG tours. So, you know, do they compare from a player experience, uh, you know, perspective?
1: Yeah, so I would say they're um, very similar in terms of player experience. Like, they're smaller. SCGs used to be 1,000 players, sometimes Six hundred, whatever, somewhere in that range, six hundred yeah. to a thousand, whatever.
0: But if you look at the numbers from from ten years ago, you know that they, they were probably about this size.
1: Sure, and I, I, you know, I wouldn't disagree. I think they're they're tracking in a similar direction, um, but th- they're smaller for sure. So there's you know less people in the building. But when you're playing Magic, you don't really feel how big a tournament is. You know what I'm saying? Like used st- to, there's a ton of people in the room, and you're still paired against one person, and you're playing your match. You know. Yeah. So the size like doesn't really hurt from a um, like the consumer standpoint. Like the the play experience is still very similar. It still feels just about as good. And there's definitely a lot of talent on this. So I would say like you know there's still some very very strong players going to these events. So you still get the same. I wouldn't say the same level of competition just based on there's less people in general. But you're gonna still play against some of the, the top end and get your chance to. Really prove yourself as like one of the better players if you want to go out and do that. Like you can, you can do that on that circuit.
0: Yeah, and you know we're starting to see some of the talent from the Midwest that maybe you know wasn't traveling as much to East Coast SCGs, uh, and maybe some young talent as well uh, emerge. So that's definitely a cool part of this. This is to, you know see that next generation come up.
1: Oh, for sure. And I, I do really want to shout out just the energy staff in general. Um, Like, I started going last year because there was one, you know, I mean, obviously, COVID turned off everything for two years or whatever, Uh, and there was one somewhere close to me. I don't remember. I think Chicago, maybe. Um, I'm from Michigan, for those who are not familiar with me, so it it was a pretty short drive for me. Um, Decided to go out to one in Chicago, and you could kind of tell they were still trying to figure it out. Like, they... You know, I, I'm kind of spoiled because I played on the SCG tour. I know you did as well. But we played on this tour that you know was run by Cedric and um, you know the other people in the back that I don't know by name, but they just ran it and organized it so well. Everything was so flawless on the S. G. tour. I you get kind of spoiled from like a tournament play perspective, and then you go here and like I you know I work at an LGS now and I'm running my own tournaments. And just the the undertaking that is running a tournament is massive. It's so much more difficult than people really want to. Give it credit for. Um, so you, you saw, like, in the first couple I went to, you could see, you know, they're still trying to figure it out. They still are working through logistic issues, and they're still trying to cope with, you know, a world where COVID exists, and we're trying to run Magic tournaments, and they're still trying to get, you know, coverage figured out. All of this, and over the last six months, um, they've just massively up their gra- their game. And I want to, you know, give a huge shout out to, I, I think it was Max Khan running it, but definitely the rest of the team at Energy as well. They've just, you know, they've upped the commentary level. They've upped the the quality of the streaming. They've upped um, the quality of the experience at the events. There's, um, you know, more people showing up to them. Um, They run it in a way that's, you know, safe for people to show up with, you know, I I think correct COVID precautions. And it just feels like they're doing all the right things. And it's been awesome to see them grow because you really do want to see people who are going out of their way to do the right things, get rewarded, you know?
0: Yeah, I, I would you know, from my outsider perspective, I would echo everything you said. Like, that, that's that been the the vibe that I've been getting just from watching things and, and uh, you know, seeing what's going on, which is why I've been itching for them to come a little closer so I can start, you know, getting in there and slinging some spells.
1: Sure. Yeah, I mean, they, they'd they love to have you, too. Um, for sure. I mean, I, I know they would. I, and I i love to see it grow, too, because, you know, selfishly, I did the SEG circuit for a long time, and, you know, those ones were close to you. They were not close to me. I did a lot of 12-hour drives going to those events. Yeah. Uh, This one, the whole circuit being, like, four hours from me is just fantastic. I love this. (laughs) So, um, I would love to see them grow and get bigger, but, um, you know, we'll see. We'll see where it goes, but I, I really do feel like they've got such a good base under them. They've got a really good start, and it seems like... They don't have any competition it doesn't feel like anybody else is really trying to do the same thing they are which is still weird to me because I, I don't really understand why scg just quit doing it and i don't I, you know i'm not privy to any of the background knowledge so um i don't well, know maybe
0: n- neither am i so it's <laughs> <laughs> fair I, yeah. i'm not asking
1: you but yeah it, it's still weird to me that scg just disappeared because given how successful and how well run everything was um it's weird that they didn't try to make a comeback on it but You know, they didn't, so it seems like energy is the only circuit doing it. And, um, you know, I I love what they're doing, it's awesome.
0: Yeah. Uh, Hopefully, they, uh, they continue to grow and expand and, you know, host tournaments in Ohio.
1: (laughs) I, I think as they, um, as they grow, I think they'll start branching out further. Yeah. That's the experience, or like, that's the impression I've gotten. I've actually talked to the owner a couple times at the events. Um, and I think his name is Norm. He's, he's a very nice guy from from the uh, couple of times I've met him. It seems like he puts together a great show. Um, but, yeah, he at first was, you know, like nervous because, you know, when you're based out of one state and you're talking about running an event 10 or 8 states over, you know you don't know who's going to show up. It costs, it costs a lot of money up front for you to put these tournaments on. Like, are you going to get paid back for them? You don't know. And then um, they've had a couple events that didn't really have great attendance earlier in the year, and some of that has to do with COVID for sure. Um, but recently they've just been awesome. And, they, you know, I I remember talking to them in uh, Minnesota when we went out there uh, for the team event, and they, they weren't sure about Michigan. They were a little scared. And I told them, no, no, Michigan's going to – you're going to hit capacity. And then they did. So it, uh, it seems like they're starting to realize, like, hey, if we start going towards the places where – You know, SEG was doing well. Maybe we'll also do well, Um, and I I think they will. And I think Columbus is going to be really good for them. I think that's going to be a huge one because that was always like the biggest SEG stop, basically. Yeah.
0: Unfortunately, it is not in Columbus proper, but um, you know, just being in that that Ohio area always always shows out Central Ohio. So um, I'm just selfishly disappointed because I'm not going to be right next to the North Market, but.
1: Oh, that anyway. does hurt. Yeah, <laughs> that hurts a lot. Yeah. North Market was so good.
0: But uh, I'll, I'll, I'll take it, though. I'll, I'll, I'll still very, very likely be there. I'm planning on it.
1: Well, that would uh, be good to have you. Is that a team event? I think, uh, I think, I think that, that one, one is. might be. I think that is. I think, I think uh, actually Harlan messaged me. Harlan wanted to go oh, baby. to that one. So this might be the return of me and Harlan for the first time in a long time. I think the last time we teamed was three years ago.
0: Well... I uh, I'm, I might have to send Harlan a message after we're done here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's fair. No, I, I, I think you already put together a team. Not trying to. Damn. Throw, throw you off here. I'm sorry. Too,
0: Too slow. So
1: <laughs> Harlan, I, I didn't even know there was a team event. Harlan messaged me. He's like, "Hey, I got a team. You want to do it?" Like, Deal. And then,
0: <laughs> okay. Well, I you know. I'll I'll make my own team with blackjack and hookers.
1: Oh, that sounds pretty good. <laughs> sounds like it'd be fun. Yeah. Um, yeah all
0: right so um, before we get into our last segment here, uh, I will be remiss if I did not shout out our sponsor barrister and man that is two ends in man, uh, a wonderful company for uh, you know personal care products um, whether it's uh, you know very you know well made soaps, uh, hand soaps uh, and you know a ton of other things and uh we will encourage you all to use the code mtgrants2022 um, for oh god uh, I should have looked this up before we did it. I think it's I think it's 15% off. It might be it's 10. On, sounds like a it's nice one of number. Those. Yeah, it's fine. Um, 15. But it, it's, if it's 10, you know, don't be mad at me. It might be uh, could be 22, who knows. Could be <laughs> but, but use the code. They, you know, make great stuff. We we talk about them on the cast all the time. Um, and I'll once again, shout out my favorite scent. If you're, you know, uh, you know, unsure of which one to go with. I'm a big fan of Seville, though. I'm currently, uh, using a bar soap that is Bay rum has a sort of spicy rum scent to it. That one's kind of grown on me. The first time I used it, it it was pretty strong. Um, but I've had it a a couple times since then. So that, that, that one's also nice. If you like that kind of warm spice, uh, scent, but Barrister and man, two Ends and use the code MTGRANTS2022. Okay, Zach. um, I don't know how familiar you are with the podcast, uh, but we're going to close with our overrated, underrated segment. So I'm just going to throw various things at you from our Discord, and you have to tell me whether they are overrated, underrated, or properly rated.
1: Deal. I can do that.
0: Okay. So, first one from Chippy. Taking the duvet off and sleeping with just a sheet.
1: Oh... I think that's underrated. I don't think enough people do it, but it's a strong move, for sure a strong move.
0: So uh, I want to uh, just let our audience know that before we started recording, Zach told me that he was in a house without air conditioning, and it is 95 degrees, so he might be a little biased.
1: It is hot. I was actually hoping you were going to say your favorite scent was just Sweaty Zach. (laughs) I think that one's still in development. Let's talk to him. Let's talk to the sponsor, see if we can get Sweaty Zach made. (laughs) See if that one's popular. Probably not. But you
0: never know. I'll, I'll buy it. Don't worry. All
1: right, deal. Uh, oh, but yeah, but no, no, I... no, that was me last night. In fact, not <laughs> even the blanket; just straight up sleeping on a bed because it was hot. <laughs> I, uh, I was
0: my, my first year or two in Roanoke. I lived without any air conditioning, so I, I slept many nights with just a sheet. Uh, so I, I will agree with you there. It's underrated. Uh, next up from Rubber Duck Sauce Hatsune Miku. I don't know what this is, so I'm hoping you do.
1: That is an anime girl, I believe. Um, so, uh, you know, I work at a, s- a store called Galactic Toys. So if you want to check out Galactic Toys, you can order tons of anime stuff online. Uh, just go to their website. Um, but we have Hatsune Miku uh, model kits where people can build her. And um, I'm going to go with underrated because I, you know, full disclosure, have not built any of these. I don't really know the backstory here. But I will say that not very many people know about this, given that you don't know about it. But every single person that has come in and asked me about it loves it unconditionally. So I have to imagine this thing is underrated, right?
0: Yeah, that's a pretty strong endorsement.
1: That's, uh, that's the best I got on that one. Okay. It, it, yeah. it looks like kind of a generic anime girl to me, so I don't really... But I'm still going to underrated.
0: Sure. Uh, next up from DLC, Raincoats. Raincoats? Yeah.
1: Overrated, man. Just get wet, whatever. Overrated. Just get wet.
0: <laughs> I thought you were gonna be like, just wear a hoodie or something, get an umbrella. But no,
1: just get wet. <laughs> it's definitely, it's definitely a power move to just show up to the whatever thing you were going to, just all wet. So whatever, it's raining outside. It's not gonna slow me down. I'm here. I'm wet. What do you guys, what do you guys say? Let's do this. Let's get this going.
0: I mean I was I I was also on the overrated side of things but just for a completely different reason. So, um, Why do you, why do you
1: have them overrated?
0: Mm, I just think uh, umbrellas are are more convenient than I like raincoats that ah, it's just a an item of clothing that you only need and only wear in the rain. It takes up space in your closet. You know, the umbrella you just leave by the door. I'm I'm more of an umbrella guy.
1: I mean, I'm with you on all that, except I still think you should just get wet. Whatever. Who needs any of this? Just, you know, show up wet shirt. Who cares? You're good. You'll dry off.
0: Zach, get wet, Alan. That's it's going to be your new, next, new oh, nickname.
1: No. Oh, no. All right, fine. I mean, I, I'm currently sweaty, so.
0: Yeah. Uh, Different kind of wet. Yeah, it's true. Uh, next up from Kyle, MTG Sick Breaks. Porridge.
1: Is this, like. Oh man, I don't know. I'm going to say that's well overrated. I, and not even because it's rated highly, just cuz that sounds atrocious. I don't even know what it is. I assume it's like just some goldilocks food.
0: <laughs> they do reference it in the Goldilocks tale. Uh, porridge is sort of a generic uh, type of um, like uh sort of like cooked oats, but they're cooked down into almost almost a pudding. Um so it has a sort of sort of gelatinous texture to it. Um you know what when people make like overnight oats, have you ever seen that as like a breakfast food? Yeah. yeah, Uh that that's basically a porridge.
1: Alright, I guess I can get behind it. I I'm still gonna go porridge cannot have a high rating. I think just in general, there's no way the general populace looks at porridge like, yeah, that's the stuff. So (laughs) I guess underrated just based on how poorly rated it is, but uh Yeah, I I I don't know. I'm gonna go with overrated.
0: So I'm, when I, I'm a big uh, texture guy in in food, I need you know texture contrasted. Porridge doesn't really doesn't really give you that, and the texture that it does have is not pleasant. So that's fair. Go home, porridge.
1: All right, fair. Yeah, I I can get behind that. Texture yeah. is incredibly important.
0: Yeah. Uh, next up, Chippy again with Mouse the graphic novel.
1: Ooh, I have not read this. I believe this would be way well more up your alley though. Uh,
0: I also haven't read it, so I can't really speak to it. Fair so. Enough. <laughs> uh, so, sorry, Chippy. We we have no opinion.
1: I and... I I would have imagined you would have read that. That seems like a, a book. For you. I I know the one he's talking about. I think it's oh like I'm,
0: a... I'm I'm vaguely familiar with it, but okay. Have read it. I don't. I, I'm not a graphic novel, comic book, anime, manga. You know all of those things. I'm not really into any of it. Sure. Uh, next up uh, from Gold and Kanto.
1: Like seen that, this one. Did... The Disney movie? In yeah, I have. Not, I also have not seen it. Although I will say, uh, before the tournament Sunday, my friend Andrew invited me over for some breakfast tacos, which hugely underrated, by the way. I don't know where you would put the rating at, but whatever it is, it's still underrated. Breakfast tacos before Magic tournament. Uh, I
0: love I love breakfast tacos. So like one of my favorite things in the world.
1: So good. But anyway, while I'm sitting there waiting for the breakfast tacos, um, I'm hanging out with his. I think one-year-old son, Tim. And Tim was really... We, were, we watched about 10 minutes of Encanto, and Tim was loving Encanto. So I'm going to say underrated.
0: Yeah, I have not seen it, but every single person who I know who has seen it has said it is incredible. Um, but that means I'm going to say properly rated, because okay, it's probably fair. it's hard for it to be underrated at that point.
1: That's fair. Well, Tim Tim thinks it's underrated, because Tim was loving it.
0: Yeah. Uh, let's, do, let's do a couple more. We got... Uh, Cathal drawing Mike Trout.
1: Like, drawing with, like, a pencil?
0: I'm not entirely sure what they mean. I was hoping you would have... I, I was I was like, maybe this is, like, a fantasy sports thing?
1: Yeah, that, that kind of sounds to me like it's fantasy sports, and you just get to have Mike Trout. Yeah. Uh, that seems great. I mean, that seems incredible. I can't, like, you know... I'm sure you want Mike Trout on your fantasy baseball team.
0: Yeah, he's yeah, probably I mean, not, not quite as as valuable as he was, you know, five years ago. There's some other guys that are really good. Sure. Um, certain- you know Otani and and Mookie and Tatis and and uh, Machado has been going off this year, but sure. uh, s- still, you know, properly rated. I
1: I will say I have watched I watched the video of Mike Trout hitting a, a golf drive and just smashing that thing. So if you want to draw him doing that, underrated.
0: <laughs> and uh, last one we'll do from Gold Food Festivals.
1: Ooh, these sound these sound great. Uh, oh man, they also have a great opinion i'd still say you know maybe maybe these are overrated just based on how high people's opinions of of them are even though they are good i think they're going to still be i don't know that they always live up to the hype
0: well one it's certainly going to depend on the food uh you know if it's a pickle festival leave me out fair um but i i I wasn't sure i wasn't i thought i was going to immediately disagree with you but the more i think about it the more I, i think you might be right there one of the issues with them is that there's often inadequate seating. Yep. And so eating becomes awkward. But the food can be really good.
1: Oh, certainly. Like, I I don't think you of us are saying that food festivals are bad. When you yeah. get some, some good food at one, I mean, that's, that is fantastic. But I will say, just in general, cooking for a large number of people versus cooking for one or two people is always going to be slightly worse because you can't put the same attention into each meal. And then... Yeah, just like crowded. Sometimes you get food that's been sitting out because it's a little cold. Um, yeah, I'd say overrated. It's overrated.
0: Uh, I'm gonna say properly rated. You know, good okay. but has has some issues. Um, so uh, that's where we're gonna end with overrated, underrated. No mailbag questions this week. So if, if you're in our Discord or, uh, as a as a patron, uh, make sure to get in that mailbag um, section of the Discord. Leave us some questions for next week. Uh, Zach, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, really saved our bacon this week, and uh, you know, we're an excellent guest.
1: Yeah, man, thanks for having me out. I was actually, uh, I was thinking honestly when I got done with the energy, it was like if I, you know, if anybody ever had like a double top eight weekend at SCG, like the, the Magic Podcast would have got them on. And I was like, it, it's weird that that's like not going to happen anymore. Um, and then you hit me up. I was like, oh shoot, I can yeah. do a podcast. This is actually sweet. Let's do it.
0: Keep keeping it going, keeping yeah. the dream alive. Yeah, yeah. So for, for everybody else playing NRGs, if you top eight, two of them, we'll get you on the podcast.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and uh, no, I mean, I, I, I was just happy to get to car and talk to you because, you know, I haven't seen you guys in a little bit. Um, yeah. It's always good to talk to you, man.
0: Yeah, great talking to you. Uh, before we go, uh, do you want to let people know where they can reach you if you're doing content or anything like that or, or any other shout-outs you want to give
1: sure so right now i am not actually making any content although i do plan to start up again in the near future um but if you want to find me you can find me on twitter at a22en um i'm always there people ask me for decklist advice all the time um i was i've been getting uh a significant increase in people asking about control deck lists and sideboarding advice for control decks um so i was contemplating maybe starting a patreon i don't know if you want to see something like that i was maybe going to do like a two dollar a month thing or something to just put out my control list for the next event and give you the sideboard guide whatever Um, if that's something you're interested in i guess let me know um but uh, i'm kind of in the middle of some moving i'm you know we were talking before the thing i'm currently trying to um buy a house so uh don't really have time to get content going but once i get all settled down I, i do plan to start making videos again um and see where that goes i guess um yeah with the return of the pro tour anyway it'd be a good time to start making making videos helping people learn some formats again and uh the other thing is i am now running a game store in grand rapids michigan called uh, galactic toys and we have a bunch of big events coming up specifically rptq so if you want to qualify for the pro tour and you want to play in one uh be be cool for you guys to stop by and come out and play in one
0: and and I assume you all have a website where they can find information about those things.
1: They do, so you can go uh, to GalacticToys.com. dot com. Um, that will have a bunch of like toys and stuff on it. Um, but if you go to the Facebook, it's Galactic Toys Kentwood, um, that has the list of all of our events. So um, awesome! Yeah, it's it's cool. It's actually I don't know I don't know how many like LGSs you've been to, but I've been to like a bunch just like touring for SEGs. Like we'd go to some just for Friday Night Magics and stuff randomly.
0: Well, I've been to a lot doing the the oh, sure. team bcw challenges
1: <laughs> yeah yeah oh I, I remember those actually yeah uh, i dude i have not seen many lgs's to get like 35 plus for fnm but this my mine is is you know by no credit to me i just started but it, it wow. really gets like 35 which is wild so yeah if you want to play job. like a really competitive fnm uh come on and stop by sweet well uh
0: once again thanks for being here uh zach and and you know Good luck uh, with the house and the store, and uh, you know all the the energy. Uh, hope you keep crushing it, and I hope I get to see you on the tables uh, later this year.
1: Yeah, man, I'm hoping I'm hoping I get to play against you at the Energy Championship, man. You think you're gonna try to make a push towards the end of the year once they start coming out towards
0: you? Oh, we'll see. I think I could hit up like all the season three ones and may, maybe do that. And I've been can... kind of I've been kind of itching to, to get back out there. I haven't played a tournament in a while.
1: I was gonna say you can qualify just in season three, like you, yeah, just four events. If you just do well in four, you're in. It's possible.
0: Yeah, I'll uh, I'll I'll look into it and then I'll I'll be sure to let you know if I'm gonna take the full plunge. But uh, that's gonna do it for us this week. Please, everyone, send your energy and uh, and your thoughts to Tannen here as he is uh, dealing with COVID. Hopefully, he has a nice speedy recovery and he can be back with me next week. Um, so, uh, Tannen, you know, we're thinking of you, buddy, and, uh, hopefully you're, uh, feeling better soon. Uh, so that's, uh, that's going to be it. And we will see you next week from MTG Rants. Bye.